what does a Christian look like? Uh, maybe that's a little bit of what we've been uh, attempting to do. I, I think it has less to do with, with quippy sayings that we have on our, on our t-shirts or our bumper stickers or our coffee mugs, and it has more to do with how we act, how we treat people, how we live, right? We need to be more like Jesus. It seems like there are, there are people who see religion as, uh, as this thing to attend or a church to, uh, as an institution, institution to join, but uh, life following Jesus is so much more than that. It's a, it's a relationship. It's all about becoming more like him. So uh, this is uh, uh, week three, I think. So just to recap, maybe uh, maybe you missed it, or uh, or maybe you just need a, a refresher. I, I believe the statistics say that that by the time you get to Sunday dinner, you've forgotten ninety two percent of what the sermon was about. So I hope that that at least that eight percent sticks with you. But just to recap, uh, uh, Jesus said in in John ten ten that he came to give us abundant life. That's the whole concept behind our, our church's mission statement. We live to love people to life. It's the idea that, that, that we're living in a thriving relationship with God and we love the people around us and in order to help them experience that life with Jesus too. But there's a disconnect there if you don't necessarily think that you are living that abundant life in the first place. You, you, you might dismiss the mission uh, as irrelevant by basically saying, well, how, how can I introduce someone to a life that, that I'm not really living? Or, or how do I live so that I'm loving people to life? Uh, that gets to the essence of, of this series. Uh, it's, it's, it's my desire, uh, be, behind this, uh, this, uh, this series and also the discipleship group that'll, that'll spring out of it that we start, uh, next, next Sunday. That word discipleship, uh, again, it's a, it's a church word. Um, uh, we, we usually think the word disciple uh, has a lot to do with those 12 guys in bathrobes who followed Jesus and fish a little bit, right? Those are, those are the disciples. But, but really, a disciple um, is anyone who is following Jesus in order to become more like him. Uh, it, it's not just the, uh, the, the guys in the New Testament that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, uh, and uh, and John, it's uh, it's it's anyone. A disciple is anyone who is following Jesus in order to become more like him. Uh, in what has become to be known the Great Commission, uh, Matthew twenty eight, Jesus is is uh, uh, sitting. He's already uh, been crucified. He raised from the dead. He's sitting with his disciples. He's he's about ready to ascend into heaven. He and he he commissions them and he tells them, "Go and make disciples." I mean, it's the exact same mission that we have today for our church. We just say it a little bit differently, but we live to love people to life is really the same thing. Go and make disciples. Jesus told his, uh, his, his disciples, people that are following him, those who are living a thriving life with him to go and help other people live that life too. And so, uh, uh, Pastor Kevin Harney, uh, it, it, the book that, that we're, uh, we're using as, as kind of the foundation of this group, uh, uh, that, that, that starts next week, uh, he lists the seven uh, markers of spiritual maturity, uh, and, and, uh, and he, he describes these practical ways, uh, of, of what this looks like, uh, if we're living this thriving life with God, if we're following for becoming more like Jesus. 
Uh, now, we, we, so there's seven. We spent time last week on the first three of them, uh, uh, and uh, and and they have a lot to do with our inner lives, what we're what what we're like on the inside, uh, their uh, habits and behaviors that, that that we're developing our our personal spiritual lives. Uh, spending time with scripture and, and in prayer and, and in wholehearted worship. The essential, essential things to our relationship with God. If we're going to be more like Jesus, these things need to be uh, things that we're doing. Now, the last four um, are going to help with that as well, but they are more outward focused, uh, focused on, on others or things outside of us, things in people outside. We're gonna, if we're going to be more like Jesus, uh, these are practices that will be regular, natural parts of our lives. We'll be doing these things, and, and they're more focused on 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 others they 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 start within but they they focus on the first one or I guess number four if you're keeping the full list of seven so this is the fourth one humble service Jesus came to serve remember I signed you up for a couple of service things right so so now this is the the part where I guilt you into going ahead and signing up and doing it right Jesus came to serve. It was part of his mission on the planet. Mark 10, 45 says, the son of man, uh, Jesus talking about himself, or even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' life was filled with serving others. His miracles, his teaching, even his death were, were, were selfless acts of service, right? He served God by serving others. The, the quintessential passage that, that shows Jesus' humble service for others is, is John 13 in the upper room the night before he's uh, uh, betrayed and crucified. Uh, John 13, beginning in verse 3, it says this. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. It would have been unprecedented for a rabbi, a religious teacher, to kneel and scrub the mud-caked feet of his followers. It would have been a shock to everyone in the room who saw it and everyone who heard about it later. Uh, but, but, but what made this even more shocking was, was that this wasn't just any rabbi, not just any teacher. This was Jesus, the Son of God. And the, the 12 guys gathered around him had already acknowledged that they believed, truly believed that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. And now the Son of God is, is kneeling in front of them. He is serving them. He washed their feet. After he washed their feet, Jesus told his disciples that, that they needed to follow his example. So uh, begin, uh, picking up in verse 12 of John 13, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. To be like Jesus is to grow in humble service. In a word, in a metaphor, to wash feet. In, in serving, uh, we not only meet the needs around us, but this says that we receive blessing when we do that. Uh, there, there's joy in, in serving. A thriving life is a life of humble service. And, and it's not just a suggestion. Jesus doesn't say here in this passage, if you get around to it, if you think about it, you should pitch in a little bit. 
You should sign up for that thing. You should, you should do this from time to time, every once in a while, just to kind of alleviate your guilt a little bit. You should go ahead. No, Jesus, this is a command. He says, I showed you how, <laughs> so go and do it. Go and, if you're gonna be like me, one big thing that's gonna be part of your life, one big way that you live is that you are going to serve. There are opportunities for you to do this every day. You don't have to wait for the church to have something to, uh, uh, to, to do that. Uh, we need to look for ways to, there are ways for you to serve in your home. There are ways for you to serve at school. There are ways for you to serve at work. I, I, so many times we're, we're so caught up in what I get and what I deserve and, the, and my rights and, and I've got to have this and if they don't provide this then I'm not, and, and, and Jesus said that's not, that's not being more like me. He says serve, humbly serve. In doing that, you'll find that you're becoming more like Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus also involves a joyful generosity that flows naturally from, from serving, uh, from serving to giving, kind of, kind of, they're, they're, they're really related. I mean, Jesus gave and gave and gave. The very act of coming to earth was a gift, right? He, he set aside his divinity and, and all of its privileges and, and he became human. He gave his time and his effort and his attention so that, uh, uh, so much, uh, uh, over the course of his ministry. He, he gave his life as he died on the cross. He gave and gave and gave. And he taught a lot about giving and not, uh, serving and using our, our, our time and, and, uh, and serving others uh, and living for others. He also taught about uh, generosity and in, in, uh, in, 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 uh, against selfishness and, and he encouraged others to, to give to God, uh, as uh, give to others and in giving to God. He actually taught a lot about our relationship with, uh, with our money and, and with our possessions. Uh, uh, just a, a sampling, Luke twelve fifteen says, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Matthew 6, uh, beginning in verse 2, so when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, They've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Matthew six nineteen. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust, uh, moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then verse twenty four. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What we do with what we have, reveals what we treasure. Those who are serious about following Jesus will be generous with their lives. Generosity doesn't necessarily come naturally though, right? We, we tend to grasp and cling and hoard and, and we need this and, and we've got that and, and I gotta make sure I've got for, for me and, and, uh, and, and if we're living for Jesus though and not just for ourselves, then his spirit will begin to grow a joyful generosity, and that generosity is contagious. You might say, well, I can't afford to be generous. 
Uh, finding joy and generosity has nothing to do with how much you actually make. If you're not generous when you have a little, you won't be generous with a lot. Luke 16.10 says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much, and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous in much. Generosity uh, certainly involves both, both spontaneity and planning ahead. Uh, disciples of Jesus uh, uh, are encouraged in, in Scripture, throughout Scripture, to give a, a percentage of their income to God. Scripture talks about a tithe, 10% uh, um, uh, off the top, uh, giving to God through a local church that you believe in and, and as he leads you. And, and, and so disciples have, have organized, they planned ahead uh, and, and, and organized their budgets accordingly so that they can, uh, they can, uh, can do that cut expenses, uh, uh, doing whatever it takes in order to plan to be generous. M- many of you uh, not only do that, but, but you give even more in supporting world missions and, and uh, other causes. Um, and then and when a need comes up, you give to that too. And, and this generosity is just something that, that continues to pour out of folks who are following Jesus. There's, there's, there's a joy in being generous. I, I've found that, uh, that man, it just, it just kind of bubbles up from inside. And, and it's, it's, it's a, a great way to live, to not be stingy, but to be generous. And, and it's not just money, right? As, as you follow Jesus, as you're growing more like him, you will, you will be uh, more and more generous with, with your entire life, your, your time and your talents, uh, and also your money and your stuff, all of that. Jesus' instruction at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount uh, uh, applies to us today. He says in Matthew five sixteen, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Uh, Living like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus will mean that we are uh, joyfully generous. And and that says in in, uh, Matthew 5.16 that that's a huge part of, uh, a key ingredient of loving people to life, to showing them what it means to live this thriving life with Jesus. The next thing on the uh, on the list. So, if you're playing at home, number six on the list uh, total today for today, it's the third thing we'll we'll uh, uh, focus in on. But of the seven, this is number six. Uh, if you're following Jesus closely, you'll see that he engaged in relationships. That that there was a cons- uh, there was a an effort toward consistent community. Uh, Jesus lived his life in community. Now, you could say that this came naturally to Jesus because uh, Jesus has always existed in community. Uh, there's, there's the uh, theological uh, uh, teaching of the Trinity, right? So we believe in one God but three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, always has been that way before the dawn of time. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, we see all three present, Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and so we, we recognize that, that Jesus, God's Son, has always been in community with the Father and the Spirit. It comes naturally, uh, it, even in, in, uh, in Genesis uh, uh, it, it quotes God saying, let us create man in our, our image. It's, it's part of, this is this community relationship, this, this community conversation. We can't escape that language of, of community throughout scripture. Uh, uh, the, the theme running through it, the, entire, uh, 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 the, the entire 66 books is, is a theme of love, right? Uh, uh, God so loved that he gave Jesus, John 3.16. Jesus showed us what love looks like. He gave selflessly. He cared for others. He, he got involved in people's lives. One of his final instructions to his disciples in the upper room, uh, love one another as I have loved you. It's all about this community. When, when 
uh, when asked about what the most important commandment was, Jesus answered with, with uh, basically, uh, man, it's, it's all about uh, a community, a loving community. Love God with everything you've got, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about community, relationships, living in relationship with God and with others. So as we follow Jesus' example, we involve ourselves in community. The mission that Jesus gave for us to, uh, to go and make disciples isn't anything that, that any of us can accomplish uh, completely on our own. We need each other. That's why we have the church. He has given us something that's beyond us, but together we can, as we follow him, we can accomplish his uh, mission, his, uh, his desires in the world. First, first Corinthians uh, chapter 12 describes this. He says, just as, one bo- just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts are, form one body, so it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. We all have different gifts and talents and personal, personalities and experiences. And one way that God wants to use yours is to encourage others in the body, uh, to, to help make disciples. When, when we, uh, we, I, I brought up a couple of questions last week that, that also talked about how we need each other. Who are you discipling and who's discipling you? Who is helping you to become more like Jesus? And who are you helping to become more like Jesus? As he uses your gifts and talents and abilities, how, how are you fitting into this community? It's not about me and Jesus and here we go, but it's about us together impacting and helping each other and then together reaching the world around us. Followers of Jesus look for ways to engage with and get involved in each other's lives. It's, it's one more way that we, that we begin to look more like Jesus. And, and those relationships are, are a, a key in, ingredient of uh, not only relationships within the church, but, but, but also uh, it's a way that we love people to life. It, we, it leads us right to the seventh uh, spirit, marker of spiritual maturity, organic outreach. We've got to get beyond the walls of the church, beyond the, the, the inner relationships that we have uh, that are so important, but we also have this, these relationships with others. I've, I've told you a couple of things today uh, of, of what Jesus' mission was on earth. I, I told you that he came to serve, and scripture to back that up. I told you that he came to give us abundant life, uh, John 10.10, 10, uh, that's exactly what it says. But, but maybe Luke 19 summarizes Jesus' entire mission. Maybe it's, uh, it's an even more comprehensive description. It, it's embedded in, uh, in the story of, of Jesus going to Zacchaeus' house. If you're familiar or not familiar with that, Zacchaeus was a, was a short, hated, sinful tax collector, and yet Jesus decided to grace him with his presence on a, uh, on a certain day and, uh, and, and bring some transformation in his life. Now, I, I can't resist uh, uh, retelling what happened a few years ago right here in this very room uh, when I was preaching about that story of Zacchaeus. Uh, some of you were here. I was walk, walking through the little song. I learned a little song in Sunday school. Some of you probably did too. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. If you don't know that, you just think I'm weird. That's okay. Just move on. But uh, uh, 
So in the song, it says, and as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus. And, and, and a couple years ago, three years ago, I don't know, it was a while back, uh, I, I was walking through that song and I was, I, I think I, I remember being kind of right here and I said, and I paused, right? I, I we looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, and I'm waiting for, for you all to fill in the blank. You, in the song, he goes, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to, and then we sang the song and we got blessed and everything was, no, on that, on that specific day, uh, I sang that song, we got up to that point, uh, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, and from the back of the room, my son Nick says, let my people go. Little mix-up of the Bible stories, leave it to the preacher's kid to get things right on the nose, right? It's not what Jesus said, although, I don't know, maybe he was uh, oppressing some people, but uh, Jesus told Zacchaeus to come down he wanted a relationship with him, right? He was all about community, wanted that relationship. Uh, he wanted to, to help Zacchaeus turn his life around, right? And so he went to Zacchaeus' house and, and Zacchaeus, as, as Zacchaeus in the story uh, promises to give, his, uh, give back all the money that he swindled from people and even more, uh, Jesus declared his mission. He said, this is it. Uh, and if, if we're going to sum it all up, this is why Jesus came. Uh, Jesus declared his mission. The Son of Man, uh, Jesus says, me, myself, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to find and save people who were lost in sin and lead them back to God. And if we are going to live our lives like Jesus, then that's our mission too, right? That's involved. We live to love people to life. Now, I know hearing that, uh, that, that's something that maybe gives you hives. I don't know. Maybe you're already starting to hyperventilate because you're envisioning yourself standing out on the street corner and belting out a sermon and uh, shaking your fist and telling people uh, the, the end of the world is near. And, uh, uh, or, or maybe you envision yourself going through the neighborhood and knocking on people's doors and presenting a, a memorized script in order to get people to pray the sinner's prayer, right? Walking through the... I, I'm, I, if, if that's what God is calling you to do, please do it. But, but I believe that whatever we do and however we do it, we're going to do it naturally. That God has built each of us in such a way that it's going to be an organic thing that comes out of how we live and the relationships that we're developing. If, 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 see, if, if we're doing all the, the things that we've been talking about, the, the, the last few, these spiritual, if we're living that way, and, and if, if the fruit of the Spirit is growing in our lives, if we're, we're becoming more, uh, more loving and, and joy-filled and, and full of peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, and those things are growing and maturing in our lives, then if, if we're becoming more like Jesus, if your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life, it's going to be obvious. It, it's going to come out. I, I mean, I think if something has changed your life, it's going to come up in conversation from time to time, if it really has changed your life. I mean, if, if you eat a, at a great restaurant, you tell your friends about it, right? If you, if you buy a great product, you let people know. You get a new phone, you show them all the latest whatever. If you find a tool that's helpful at home and you hear about somebody else that's doing a, a project, well, I got this tool and it really helped. And it did a, it's natural to tell people about things that we enjoy and that we've benefited from. 
I remember uh, attending a musical when I was in college. I was involved in drama stuff, um, and uh, but I wasn't in this particular show. And uh, but I, I went to see it, uh, and man, I was impressed. I was blown away. I thought it was uh, incredible, probably because I wasn't in it, so it was really good. And uh, so the next day, I was scheduled part of the drama uh, club and whatever and drama stuff, and and so I was scheduled to sell tickets the next day before uh, in the cafeteria lobby before everybody's, everybody's going in. And 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 man, I was. I was quite a salesman that day. I talked up that show. I described how great it was. I told people I'd just seen it, and it was. And I was. I was so complimentary, and and talked all about it. And everybody, several people said, "Well, what part are you playing in it?" And, oh, I don't. I'm not in it. I don't have a. Uh, I don't have a dog in this fight at all. I, I just. It was just great. I. I, I just enjoyed it, and it, I think it was incredible. And I think you will too. Now, maybe you're not a drama geek like I was, uh, but you. You naturally share what you enjoy with the people in your life. You tell them about the things that, you, that bring you joy and the things that have changed your life so that they can enjoy those things too. We, we do that with so many things and yet we tend to shy away from maybe the most important things. A key marker of, of spiritual maturity is that we will naturally find ways to share God's love with the people in our lives. Maybe that's members of your family. Maybe it's people at work, or, or maybe it's your coworkers, uh, or maybe it's people at school, or, or it, I don't know, I, I find myself, uh, you know, as a, as a professional Christian, I find myself in this little bubble, and, uh, and, and I've got to get extra intentional. Uh, sometimes I, uh, I, I envy you guys, because uh, many of you are in those secular places where, where you don't have to look very far to find somebody who, who needs to uh, experience the love of Jesus. I've got to be uh, extra intentional about it. Actually, if we're honest, I think the longer we follow Jesus, the more we surround ourselves with the people that are like-minded and the, the less we are involved in, in those, uh, those uh, relationships where, where it, it, we, can, uh, we can share God's love. If we're really following Jesus closely, he's going to be obvious in every relationship we have and we will find ways to share about that thriving life that we're living. It, it, it could happen around the dinner table it could happen at family gatherings. It, it might be a conversation that bends toward a faith discussion at work. Maybe, maybe you'll uh, invite a friend to youth group. Uh, issues of faith might come up as, as people are recipients of your kindness and generosity and humble service. You do something for a neighbor and, and uh, they begin to wonder what in the world this person's all about. And you have an opportunity to tell and show. 1 Peter 3.15 uh, uh, Peter's writing to the church and he says in your hearts revere Christ as Lord and then he says always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have wouldn't wouldn't it be awesome if there are people in heaven because you were prepared to give an answer for the hope that you had that 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 God might just use you and Okay, you mow somebody's grass, but then you get into a conversation and, and it points toward things and uh, uh, spiritual things and, and they begin to see that there's something different about you and, and it's this natural progression of, of helping them to see that, that, that not only do you love them, but God loves them. And if you're following Jesus, if you're becoming more like him, it's, it's gonna happen naturally, organically. Sure, you, you gotta, gotta learn uh, what... You, 
Maybe you learn a presentation or you, you, you know what, uh, what scripture says and you know what the, the story is, but, but uh, you also know what the story is, your story is and how you have encountered Jesus and how he has changed your life. And, and as, as people uh, encounter your life, they can encounter him. We live to love people. To love. Are you becoming more like Jesus? Maybe it's a great question to ask in the mirror every morning. Am I becoming more like Jesus? That happens as the Holy Spirit grows his character, his fruit in you. We, we partner with him in that growth through these seven markers of spiritual maturity. That's when we, we start living that abundant life that Jesus came to bring. And that's when we start loving others to help them live that life too. We live to love people to life. Hopefully, Man, it's, it's, it's only been a, a two or three weeks and a couple of sermons and, and uh, hopefully we don't just move on from this. Okay, that was, that was fine. We endured, uh, endured that uh, little series and now we're moving on. Hopefully this starts to give you some handles on what life actually could look like, should look like as you live for Jesus. Maybe... Maybe the Spirit is, is nudging you to join that, that group next week or, or maybe the Spirit is nudging you to, to serve in a certain way or to, to speak up in this conversation or, or uh, uh, to develop that, your, your habit of, of uh, being in, in, uh, in Scripture every day and not just every once in a while. Whatever the case might be, we've got to follow those nudges of the Spirit in order to become more like Jesus. In the, in the book, Pastor Kevin Harney kind of wraps things up this way. He says this, nothing is more meaningful and joy-filled than drawing close to the God who made us and loves us. When the fruit of the Spirit is growing in us and forming our character, we become more like Jesus. As we join in the great procession of Christians throughout history and lock hands with people in front of us and behind us, we become true disciples. We learn from those who are more mature. We, we take consistent steps of growth. We help others go deeper in faith. And we teach them to take the hand of the next generation and do the same.